Now, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, what we've been talking about is, you know, we've, we've dealt with who we were, all right? Um, and there was actually a lot of other things that we didn't get into that I've thought about since we've started this series, um, but I don't want to go like we did the, um, the Back to the Basics where we do like a prequel where we have to go back and insert a message, so... But there's a lot of stuff that we didn't get to that I've thought of in light of what we're dealing with this series. Um, but we'll, we'll continue that on. Now, one of the things that we've been dealing with here lately specifically is it's by the grace of God. Paul says, I am what I am. All right. And so then that's the issue that we've been looking at is who are we then? Yeah. I just think that that's very similar to what God says. Absolutely, it is. At the burning bush. Absolutely. I am that I am. Yeah. And so I then, what the difference between the two is, you know? And and that's a good point, and we'll 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 be able to take a look at that a little bit later on. Uh, but that's a good point. So, he says, "It's by the grace of God I am what I am." Not just that, but also what he says, "And His grace, which was bestowed upon me." was not in vain. Right? We talked about that the last the last session dealing with the judgment seat of Christ, right? We don't want the work that he's doing in and through our lives to be in vain, and that's what he's saying is and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. He says, "But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but by the grace of God which was with me." So the grace of God says, "I am what I am." But it also gives me an opportunity to what? To labor. And we've talked about that. And Paul says, it's not me that's doing it. It's the grace that God's bestowed upon me that's not in vain. That's why I labor. And he says, I labored more abundantly than they all. And the they there, interestingly enough, is all the apostles that he lists prior to this the 500 brethren that saw Christ. And he goes through all those folks and he says, I labored more abundantly than they all. And we think, well, that's a pretty haughty and high-minded way to put it. But he says, yet not I. Right? And we've taken a look at Galatians 2.20 to put that with that. Right? So this whole thing is also dealing with the Galatians 2.20. And that's the purpose of it. It's not just, you know, here's a verse. But let's kind of remind ourselves. We mentioned this before. We said, when we're going through the thing of who we were, and I said, once we get to find out who we are, the list is going to be longer, right? So this is what we've had so far, uh, just through some of the verses we've gone through. Justified, peace, access to grace by faith. We're saved from wrath, reconciled. We now have received the atonement. Uh, we're free from sin, and we didn't really get into this, but Romans 7 says we're free from the law, and Romans 8 says we're free from the flesh, right? We didn't talk about that, but it is. The fact that we're free from sin allows us to be servants of righteousness. We're sanctified, glorified, predestined to be conformed to the image of His dear Son. The last time we looked at being rooted and built up in Him, right? And that's where we left off the last time. So let's go back over there real quick to Colossians chapter 2 so we can, we can remind ourselves 
of, of, of these things, all right? <clears throat> Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. He says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Now, we talked about that the last time. How have you received Christ Jesus the Lord? By grace through faith. You trusted in what God did through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And doesn't that kind of remind us that we can access that grace by faith? And he's, that's the issue is, so walk ye in him. Access that grace by faith to walk. Right? And we talked about how we shouldn't walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. Having the understanding darkened. <clears throat> now, that brings up a question. Is it possible for an unsaved person to live and walk like... Or, my bad. Is it possible for a saved person to live and walk like an unsaved person? Yes. The answer is yes. We see a whole bunch of it a lot, unfortunately. We're all included in that, right? So, we're not immune... To walking like we used to. We're not immune to living not who we are, but who we were. Right? We'll talk about that a little bit more as we continue on. But notice, <clears throat> verse 7. Rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now we talked about that, and we paired that, if you remember, with Ephesians. Um... Over in Ephesians, uh, we, we paired that up with Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, right? When we're talking about that in verse 12 or verse 16, notice he says that we that he would grant you, and this is the one of the prayers that Paul has, that he would grant you according to the riches of, of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Now, the riches of his glory. That's going to be something that we're going to have to be able to talk about as well. And really, that's Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, right? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. But notice, to be strengthened with, his, with might by His Spirit in the inner man. Where's the strength? In the inner man. What's the result of that should be in verse 17? That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. That, that idea of being rooted and grounded. And remember, we talked about this when we start off, the fact that we are, he says, therefore being justified, it's not a process. We have it. It's the fact that you are justified, we have peace with God. We have access to His grace by faith, Right? Because of that, because we have that justification, that is now true for us. And the way we have that peace and access that grace is by faith. Now, when we're over here in Colossians 2, verse 6, or verse 7, it says, Rooted and built up where? In Him. And established in the faith. Now, hold your place there. Go over to Romans chapter 1 and Romans chapter 16. <laughs> All right, so Romans chapter 1 and Romans chapter 16. When we went through the book of Romans, I don't know, over four years ago is when we started it. Because when Bruce came in, four, it'll be January, it'll be four years that you've been here, right? 
So prior to that, we started the book of Romans, and I don't even remember how far before that. Uh, in fact, we started the book of Romans. Uh, the first two messages, I think, are us at our house, and it's just the audio, and we didn't have video. So that's, that takes us back. Yeah. Memories. Anyway, Romans chapter 1, <clears throat> notice this in verse 11. This is one of the prayers that Paul has. Notice, for I long to see you. Why? Why is it that he longs to see them? That I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. Stop. Well, that means he wants them to be able to speak in tongues and run it up and down aisles and heal people and raise the dead. Is that what he's talking about? The answer is no. What's the spiritual gift that he's wanting to bring to the folks at Rome? Notice. To the end, ye may be established. The purpose for the spiritual gift is that you're what? Established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Now I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, uh, even as other among other Gentiles. And he goes on down through there. The spiritual gift that he has for these folks is to be what? Established. Now, you've got established. Normally, when you go to like a business or something like that, they'll say established in 1903 or whatever, right? So, technically, Crosswork Ministries was established in 2017, all right? But the idea that Paul's wanting to establish them to bring them to some spiritual maturities, the spiritual gift to establish them, why? That is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. What is it that he's going to get them established in is what? The mutual faith, all right? So then, go over to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. 25. Verse 25. 25, just read all the way through. Yeah. But I want you to notice something here. <clears throat> if something is established, you're what? Here it is. This is the, this is the thing that we're going to do. Notice this, verse 25. Now to him that is of power to what? Establish. Establish you. According to my gospel. Now what's interesting is as we go down through here, we're going to see this. Um, really what he's looking at here is, here to be established is, you're going to do this thing. To be established is, it's, you're made stable. And you're not moving, right? I'm going to take a stand, but here I am standing. Does that make sense? Take a stand to stand. I'm going to take a stand, and here I am standing in my stand. That kind of makes sense? I'm going to stand for the truth of God's Word preserved in the King James Bible. I'm going to preach every Sunday morning from a King James Bible and nothing else. That's my stand based off my standing that I took. Does that make sense? Yes. I'm going to stand on the fact that we don't baptize in water... 
And that every time that we get somebody saved or somebody comes to the knowledge of the truth and they don't get water baptized, that's the stand that we're taking on the standing that we took. Is that clear as mud enough? I understand. Right? So, here, we're going to preach the gospel. Every time we preach the gospel, we're making it stable. We're standing where we've said we're going to stand. Which right? makes it even more stable. Which makes it more stable. Yeah, right? Yeah. How is it that we make that stand is because of I am what I am. Because of the grace of God, I am what I am. That's what establishes me. And me sticking to who I am makes me stable. So I'm not tossed to and fro. Notice. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to, and he's going to give us three things. According to my gospel. That's the, that's the gospel that was given to Paul. He calls it my gospel. Not our gospel, me and the twelve, or me and anybody else. He says, my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but it's now made manifest. I want you all to, if you've never done this, in your Bible, right there, that word and, highlight it, underline it, whatever you need to do, make sure that you know that that word is there and don't let anybody take that word out. Because what they do, and I've seen a lot of people do this, they'll take that word out and say that the mystery is established or the mystery is made manifest by the Scripture of the prophets. And they'll say, well, you can just go back in the Old Testament Scriptures and you'll find what Paul's preaching. But you can't. Otherwise, Paul's a liar and the Holy Spirit's a liar. And neither of those statements are true when it comes to this. Notice, the first thing is my gospel. The second is the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. The third one is, and by the scripture of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith to God only wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Now, the idea here is, as we receive Christ Jesus the Lord, the same way that we got established is the same way that we should be established. Right? That's the issue. The same way that we have become established, we should also be established by rooted and grounded, rooted and built up in Him. Go over to Philippians chapter 1. And we've said this before. We've talked about it, you know, you all know the verse, 1 Thessalonians 2.13, talks about the fact that when we receive the word, we receive it as the truth. He's talking to the Thessalonians there. But he says that it's going to work effectually also in you that believe. So the way that this will be done is by us believing the verses on the page. No reckoning yield. No reckon and yield. And so we start seeing all this stuff. It's all the same and it's all coming together, right? Philippians chapter 1. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Coming to the knowledge of the truth. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> because there's a lot of people that are established, but they're not stable. Right. Tossed to and fro. 
Well, I believe this. Next week, well, I believe something different. Yeah. Next week, this is something different. Hey, did you see this? What about this? Yeah. Um, sometimes it's the lack of knowledge that makes us stable, and sometimes it's the wealth of knowledge that makes us stable, un- unstable. Because you think about it, we, 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 did a, we did a message years ago. We've done it a couple different times. The great deceiver deceived himself. One of Satan's boasts is you can't keep a, me- a mystery or you can't keep anything from me. You can't keep a secret from me. And the one thing that God had to do to defeat him was keep a secret. So he, what he knew, he was full of wisdom and beauty. His wisdom, God made foolish. So the amount of understanding or the amount of knowledge that he had actually made him unstable. Uh, so you've got to think about that as well. But notice here in Philippians chapter 1, um, verse 6. <clears throat> Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. Now you stop and you think about that. He says, being confident of this very thing. So what is it that we can have? Is we can be confident about something. Specifically about what? This very thing that he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. If he's the one that's going to establish you and he says that he is the one that is of power to establish you, to make you stable, then he will do that just like this up here, yet not I. Verse 7, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense of of the confirmation of the gospel, ye are ye all are partakers of my grace. The grace of God that makes him what he is, allows him to labor, the same grace that we have access to, the same grace that teaches us how to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts and all that stuff. He's saying, Ye are all our partakers of my grace. Draw down to verse 11. Notice this one. Well, let's just keep on reading. Um, Verse 8. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. What he's talking about there is he's dealing with, he wants wants those folks in uh, in Philippi, and by extension you and I as well, to value and esteem the things that God values and esteems. Now, you stop and you think about that. Does God value and esteem local governments? <laughs> Should we worship local governments? Should we allow local governments to be the thing that we worship? Question. No, not worship. Yeah. But you say value. Mm-hmm. I mean, we should respect it. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Okay. But here's the thing. Here's, here's what I'm getting at. Should we allow that to be the final authority or should we allow the book to be the final authority? Yeah. And that's, that's the issue. But no, you're, I mean, we're subject to the powers, right? We understand that. And we're not going to go overthrow the government or anything like that. But where do we find 
Where do we find our justification? Where do we find our peace? Where do we find access and all these things? Where do we find that? It's not in those things. All right? Um, Keep on going. Verse 10. That ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ and of the glory and praise of God. So what is it that we can also have is what? Being what? Filled with the fruits of righteousness. Right? So that's kind of the same thing as living off the the fact that we're servants. Uh, Real quick, go over to Galatians. Of course, this is hopefully what everybody thinks about when we think about this. Mm -hmm. And we'll see this. Uh, notice in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. So you've got in the context here, he's talking about don't walk in the flesh, but walk in the Spirit. What will walking in the Spirit produce? Notice in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is, and I've always stopped and I said this. Notice, it says the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit that you produce. It's the fruit that the Spirit will produce in you if you believe the verses on the page. It's the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That's what we're dealing with, right? If If we're alive unto God, which we are, how should we walk? As if that's true. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. What's really interesting is, you know, I was always told years ago, well, the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's one fruit, and then everything else comes out of that love. Well, they're all the fruit. When you think of a bowl of fruit, if you have a bowl of fruit, a bowl of fruit could have apples and oranges and pineapples and all this stuff, but it's still a bowl of fruit, not bowl of fruits, right? So that's why people do that. It's singular, so it's just love and then other things. No, those, in fact, if you go back, and we've done this before, if you go back to Exodus 33 and Numbers 14, uh, Psalms and Jeremiah, you'll find out that the fruits there are the attributes of God that he puts on display throughout his entire, throughout the entire scriptures, So what he's doing is he's allowing his attributes to live in and through us today because of who we are in Christ. That's why the grace of God, I am what I am, the grace of God, I can labor because it's him living and working through me to produce those fruits of righteousness, right? Which is what we're talking about over in Philippians chapter 1. Yeah. It's the Word working in you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's the Word. So, I don't feel like, let's say I don't feel like coming to church one day mm-hmm. and, and doing, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just, my flesh wants to stay home. Mm-hmm. 
But I do it anyway because mm -hmm. it's the word working in me. Mm -hmm. Not that it's the right thing to do, but it's it's what we do. It's mm -hmm. what we need to be done. Mm -hmm. And the fruit of that would be people learning, people mm -hmm. growing, mm -hmm. myself learning, mm -hmm. myself growing. Yeah. Is that accurate? Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. No, I, I would say that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's one of those things, you know, we get a lot, oftentimes, we all do get caught up in life is so hard. Life gets us down, and I, I realize it. I know because I I have I deal with it too. Um, there are times that I don't really want to go to school and deal with everything that those kids are bringing from home. I mean, I was I was under the impression that when I became a teacher that I could teach. I didn't know I'd have to be a mom and a dad and a psychologist and a narc and all these other things, you know. But we do that. Um, and it's not because, well, it's my job, I have to. It's I continue to go because that's, that's, that's who we are. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're here in Philippians. Go to Philippians chapter 3. <clears throat> Now, this is, and we didn't get to this verse yet that we're going to talk about, but I want you to remind yourself in the context here, Paul talks about if you have confidence in the flesh, I can have more confidence because I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews, circumcised the eighth day, a binge of, uh, the, the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of the Hebrews, all this stuff. But I want you to notice this. That's, the, that's what he's dealing with. In verse 8, he says, Yea, doubtless. And I count all things, the things that he's talking about there prior to that, of who he used to be, but loss. All the things that were gained to me before, I count as loss. You know what that is? That's repenting. That's changing your mind about something. <coughs> Notice. Um, why does he count those for loss? For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Why? That I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the righteousness of the dead. And he goes on down through there. Resurrection. <coughs> huh? Resurrection. Bruce, did he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's try that verse 11 again. I apologize. Do you realize you did that? I had no idea. <laughs> so this is this was a test. Yeah. No. We all passed. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You think you read stuff, right? Oh yeah. Verse eleven. And I'm if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. There we go. That sounds better. There we go. That's better. So thank you all. See? One of the things that I'd asked was people keep me, keep me honest, and I appreciate that. 
Well, I think I did. Yeah. And you know, a lot of times we do that and we think a verse says something. Yes. Yes. And <clears throat> so, no, I appreciate that. <clears throat> but here's the thing. When we're going through this, and he says, I count all that stuff of who I used to be as dung, and I count it for loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, or Jesus Christ my Lord, right? Then down in verse 10, the purpose of it is that I might know Him. All right? Part of it is, Paul says, I want to know Him. Not just know about Him, but know Him. I want to know everything I possibly can about Him and the power of His resurrection. I want to know about the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. That's the one that a lot of people don't want. But I, Paul says, I want to know the fellowship of the sufferings, of His sufferings. So we've talked about it before. When we suffer in life, we did a series... Um, Struggle, strife, and life, right? When, when we look at things in, the, in our life, the, the first thing that sometimes Christendom would say is, well, we'll pray that, that God does away with it. Well, if we know, Romans 5, that tribulation works patience and patience experience and experience hope, do we want that tribulation gone? No. Part of our life is we're going to suffer just because we live in a sin-cursed world. Sometimes we're going to suffer because we make bad decisions in life. But then there's also a third suffering that is strictly to those who are part of the body of Christ. Especially, you know, and I've said this before during that series, go and live like who you are at work and see what happens. Go and live and labor based on who you are in Christ at work and see how people respond to you. And Paul says, I want to know the fellowship of His sufferings. By the, wa by the way, <clears throat> when, when Paul wrote Philippians, where is he? Where, where is Paul? In Philippians. Yeah. <clears throat> he's, he, he's going through stuff. He's been through stuff. By this time, he's already written 2 Corinthians chapter 11, which goes through a whole list of things that he's done. Right? If you go, if you go and study first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and look at those things, there are certain things that he suffered because he lived in a sin-cursed world. The other one is because of other people and then um, because he's being persecuted. But he says what? <clears throat> What's this last thing? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Notice, being made conformable unto his death. We will suffer today. In fact, notice, flip back one page, chapter 2, verse 29. Chapter 1, verse 29, my bad. 
chapter 1, verse 29. <clears throat> Notice. Paul's talking to the folks here at, at Philippi, and he says, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to what? Suffer for His sake. Now, you stop there. Look, yours might be different, but if I look across the page, verse 13 says, in chapter 1, verse 13 says, So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and all the other places. He's in prison here. And he's saying, I want to know the fellowships, uh, fellowship of his sufferings. And he's in prison because of what he's preaching. We don't know sufferings. We think if we put up a friend request on Facebook and it's not accepted that day, then we're suffering for Jesus. That's not what he's talking about. We don't know. What, what we're dealing with here is we're not immune to life problems. You know, that's one of those things growing up that I was taught. We, mom and dad, when we, when, when we were growing up, Kenneth Copeland, what he would say, and dad would say this, is we don't believe in divine healing. We believe in divine health that we won't even get sick. And he died of cancer, he died of cancer because he smoked from the time he was eight until two weeks before he passed away. But that's what they teach. So if you're sick, that's because God's judging you. That's what a lot of those folks say. What he's saying here is what? We're going to suffer. That's part of life. And what we have to do is we have to take a stand on God's Word, and we have to take a stand based upon the position that we have because of who we are in Christ, based upon the completeness of, and the identity that we have in our position in Christ. We don't stand... If uh, When we take a look at this, <clears throat> he's telling us... In fact, notice in chapter 4, verse 1. And this is really the issue that we're looking at here, right? Notice he doesn't, take, he doesn't say to stand fast, but he says, stand fast... In the Lord. Notice in chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my, beloved, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast, where? In the Lord. He doesn't say we want to stand fast with the Lord's help. He's saying stand fast, where? In who you are. You can't stand in who you are if you don't know who you are. You can't labor in who you are if you don't know who you are. And it's the same thing as we said before. You can't reckon what you don't understand and you can't understand what you don't know. And that's how you get tossed to and fro. You might be established, but you've not been rooted, we talked about last time, and built up in Him. And we've said it before. You can't teach what you don't know. You can't live what you don't know. It's by understanding our position in Christ and our identity in Christ and learning how to appropriate our identity and our position as we live day by day. Last time, in the last session, we talked about the moment that we get saved, here's our standing. You are all these things. You're perfect in Christ. The moment that we get saved, we're down here. This is... You know, we've called, we call it standing in state. Some other things, they, they've got different words. Um, 
position and things like that. But here's the thing. Here's our standing. Here's our state. What we are to do is to take our state and start coming to the knowledge of the truth to get closer and closer to who we are based on our standing. Question, are we ever going to get there? Not in this lifetime. But what happens is, as we go through, we might be learning some things, then we stagnate. Um, we maybe forget something. But we can get back and we can start doing that. Here's what's interesting. The moment we die, well, I shouldn't say that. The moment that we're caught away, what's going to happen is our state and our standing will match. But if we don't appropriate our standing here, then we're just going to live a, well, I'm saved, and that's enough. And then our labor will be in vain. Not just out there, but here as well. Because, well, if being a Christian looks like you, then I don't want any part of it. How many times have you ever heard anybody say that? They always say, hypocrites are in the church. Well, hypocrites are everywhere. <laughs> not just there, it's everywhere. But the thing is, is, when we stop and think about it, we want our state, we're, let's do it this way, we want our standing to be the motivation to live here. As I said, we won't get there until the rapture and we're caught away, then all those things are not just a standing issue, but they'll be our state as well. We will be perfect. We will be spotless. We will be without blemish. He looks at us that way now, which is our standing, but he says, we still live here. And that's the issue here. So what we do is we take our identity and our position and we appropriate that standing, that position, in our life every single day. Which means we've got to come to the knowledge of the truth and learn some things. Now, there is, there is this thing too is it possible to learn a bunch of stuff and then go live like what we used to be? The answer is yes. We'll talk about that a little bit later on as we go through. Even if it's dispensationally correct? Mm-hmm. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, if you learn, a, like, you can learn a lot of knowledge and biblical truth, but mm. be dispensationally wrong. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I thought that's how you meant it, but I just wanted to clear, clarify. Yeah, I mean, so you could have a lot of people that know nothing, but they're saved. They're like that, right? But you can also have a whole bunch of people that know a bunch of stuff, but they don't appropriate that in their life. They've not actually taken it from their head to their heart. They know it. And we've said this before. I don't, it doesn't matter if you know it. It doesn't matter if you can draw charts. It doesn't matter if you can tell everybody everything. If it's not affecting your everyday life, then it means nothing. And it's vain. And it's empty. This, of who we are, and again, most of it, a lot of times it's we don't know who we are, which are most people that are saved and they just, well, I'm okay. And 
none of that stuff really matters. You don't have to know all that stuff. That's, but then there's other people that know who they are, but they're not actually putting it to use in their life. And unfortunately, that's. Down there at the state, they're stagnant. It's not that they don't want to know, it's that they think they're learning, think they're growing, but the leadership of their church is, is wrong. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So they may not have the mindset of, ah, I'm saved, that's enough, that's yeah. enough for me. Yeah. They may be wanting to do and act and, and walk, but it's doctrinally incorrect and they don't know anything. Yeah. No. And that's that's the other thing. Yeah. That's what we're that's what we're dealing with. So and again it goes back to the no reckoning and yield. Just because you know it doesn't mean you're reckoning it. But if you don't know it, you can't reckon it. And if you don't know it and you can't reckon it, then you definitely can't yield to it. And so then you're never gonna get and you're always going to be living in the flesh. The what can I do? I've got to do this. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Like, I was this way for a long time. I knew a bunch of stuff, but it didn't do anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They would say that there was no establishment. There was no. Because how, 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 if, if there, they would claim that you are saying the Holy Spirit is not powerful enough to make a change in that person because mm-hmm. that person doesn't have information. He's powerful enough, but he won't overpower your will. That's he, the issue. That's, that's, the answer. <laughs> that's the answer I needed. I yeah. But I mean that that's what it comes down to. God when when God the very first thing that God established with mankind was will. Mm-hmm. Free will volition, right? So then when he says to Adam and Eve, ye may freely eat of every tree of the knowledge of the good and evil. Or every tree in the in the garden except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They had the choice to do all those. He says, "You can freely eat of all of them." So then they had a they had the they had the choice to be able to do it. The problem is, is that choice has a consequence, and you're responsible for the consequence of your choice. And what we found out there is, man's not going to take responsibility for the consequence, and man's not going to take responsibility for the choice, because Adam says, "What the lo- the woman you gave me, so it's your fault that I did it." And she said the same thing. It's, it's, not, it's not me. Satan is the one. The, the serpent told me. So man's always going to be what, looking for a way to put it off. So then when you're looking at that, what that is, is that is a willful decision not to have fruit in your life. And it's your, it's your will, and the Spirit will never overpower your will to cause you to do this. Now, the balance with that is, he will produce that in your life if you're in the book and you're studying it and you actually believe the verses on the page. The Word of God will do the work of God, but He won't overpower your will. 
But that's... Yeah. That's why that's why it comes down to it's going to work effectually in you that believe. Not it doesn't say it's going to effectually work in you, period, because the spirit's going to make it work in you. You have to believe. That's the that's the free will choice that you have to make, and then the consequence is the fruit will be produced. Yeah. Yeah. So how Deal with the whole. You got a hundred dollars in your bank account, whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. You've got these things. Mm-hmm. Even if you said I don't have it, mm-hmm. you got it. Yeah. How is that different from God's not going to overpower your will? Mm-hmm. I know they're separate. Yeah. Well, kind of not really. So here's the thing. So so. Because you have things, whether you believe it or not. Yeah. You do have them. So this is you. This is everybody, right? The moment you get saved, this is you. You can live down here like this and not appropriate your standing in your everyday walk. That's you not not believing the bank statement, right? This is you believing the bank statement and you working and living based off of that. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. I thought they were like totally separate things. No, but it's not. It's the same. It's thing. the same thing, and that's why I, that's why but, I use that as an example. Yeah. But but if you, when you say God's not going to overpower your will, mm-hmm. you still have those things. You do. He gives those. He gives you that. You have the choice to live that way or not. So he's got. He's not going to make you live this way. Right. He's going to allow you the opportunity to choose to live that way or to choose to live another way. Yeah, so he's not going to make you live based on your standing, but he says, "Here's your standing." Okay. And then one of these days, everything's going to be gone. All the junk's going to be gone. We're going to be left with that that perfect, the perfectness, if you will, perfectness. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Grace, grace. Right? God's grace. Grace that is greater than all my sins. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3. And here's, here's really where it, comes, where it comes down to it. Notice here, Colossians chapter 3. Um, Let's just start off in, in verse, well, there's really not a good place to start except in verse 1. Um, and I know we're running low on time, but notice in Colossians chapter 3, we'll pick back up with this, but I want us to be able to think about this because this is where this comes from. Notice in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, If you then be risen with Christ, that's your standing, you're risen with Christ, you are, Right? If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are what? Which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on the things of the earth. Right? We should care more about what's going on there than what's going on down here. 
Now, does that mean be completely blind and oblivious to what's going on in the world around you? No, but don't set your affection there. Notice, verse 3, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Notice, because of that truth, he says, Mortify therefore your members, which are upon the earth. And then he lists them. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Now, what have we already talked about is we were part of the children of disobedience prior to our salvation, right? Notice, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. And he tells us, reminds you, you did these things. Verse 8, but now ye also put off all these things. All these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Verse 10, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Now, when we look at this, what he's dealing with, he's saying, take those things that who you were, put them off, put on the new man. Put on these things. Don't lie, but tell every man the truth. Right? Ephesians gets into this and we talked about it. Um, him that stole, let him steal no more, but go get a job and work with your hands that may be able to provide for other people. Right? What he's dealing with here, he's saying, put off who you used to be and put on your standing. Which means what? You've got to know what that is. In order to do... We must know who we are. Mm-hmm. But you still have those things. Huh? You still have those You still have all those. Yes. Every person throughout the history from Paul until the end of the, of the dispensation of the grace of God has all those things the moment they get saved. But if we don't live justified, we're still justified. We don't lose it. But if we don't live that way, peace with God. And that's, that's judicial peace. Judicial peace. Are we ever going to be held accountable for any sin ever again? The answer is no. Judicial peace? Mm-hmm. The judgment of God. There's no judgment that we're going to have to deal with as far as sin ever again. Why? Because we're justified. That's what he says in Romans 5, right? We have access by grace through faith. We have all these things the moment that we get saved. But what we should do is take those things, and this isn't all the list, but he says, live that way. Walk that way. And that's what he's dealing with as he's going down through here, dealing with all this stuff. Um, Notice verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies. Now, I want you to think about this. As the elect of God, what's it mean to be the elect of God is what? You're holy and beloved. He says that about you, but you don't always feel like it. Does that mean like Israel, just as the elect? 
Yeah. Yeah. So what was your what was your look for, Delilah? I just the the phrasing put on. Mm-hmm. If you have it, why do you have to put it on? You have it as a positional truth. Yeah. But you have to put it on in a practical way. That's that's what he's dealing with. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so that's the you know standing state the same idea. Here's your standing. Here's who you are. You're holy and beloved, but act like it. Walk like it. That's what he's dealing with. Um, what are we to put on? Bowels of mercies. You know, I'm, I sent Delilah and uh, somebody else a, a little message that I was working on. Um, you remember in Jonah chapter 4? In Jonah chapter 4, God, God makes a, a gourd grow up above Jonah because Jonah's mad at God because he saved Nineveh. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh to, to get them repentance because he knew that in the in, in, in future, what was going to happen is his people were going to go under bondage to those folks. And he says, I don't want to go and get them saved because I know you're going to save them because, and I don't want, I don't want to go and preach to them because I know you're going to save them. And he's throwing a tantrum. And God saves them. And then Jonah's like, I'm mad. And he's, he's sore displeased. He goes off into a hill and he's, he's sitting there. God causes or he prepares a gourd to grow up above him to shade him from the sun. Then God prepares a, a worm to eat the gourd away and it, it withers away. And Jonah is sitting there and he's complaining about the gourd not being there. And God says, you had pity on the gourd, but you yeah. didn't have pity on my, my, my creation down here, these people. That's where we are today because we need to put on bowels of mercies. We have pity on everything else except a lost and dying world sometimes. And he says, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, um, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. How did Christ forgive you? Of all things. What can we do now? Forgive other people of every wrong they've ever done to us. And whether they know it or not, that takes the burden off of us. And above all these things, put on charity. Now, what's interesting is you go down through here and He says, what, what you can match up is, you can match up some of those fruits of the Spirit with these things. In fact, some of them are, are completely the same. Meekness and long-suffering, right? Love. Notice, and above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. What this will produce in us is the other peace. Not just judicial peace, judicial peace but this is life peace. So then what happens is our spirit's been made alive and our soul's been taken out of darkness and our body has been liberated to do what we're supposed to do based upon knowing, having that knowledge that we have by studying and applying God's Word properly. We're able to do that. Y'all know the three circles thing, right? We're able to do that. Our spirit's been made alive. Our, our soul has been taken out of darkness. And our body is liberated to where we can actually go and do stuff. 
You know, when we talked about to do, we must be. In order for us to do, we have to know who we are and what we've been made in Christ to be able to put those things on. And again, verse 15, notice he says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Do you know what that means? Allow the peace of God to rule in your hearts. You have to allow it. You have it, but that's that idea of the, 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 the free will, the putting on. Allow it to take place. He's not going to make you put these on. He says, put off and put on. You make the choice. What we should do as children, we're told, do this because it's right. As an adult, we say, I'm going to do this because it's right. You see the difference? As children, we're told what to do. As adults, we do what we're supposed to do anyway. And what's going on is God is, is, is in the business of producing sons of God. An, an adult son of God who will do what the Father wants by choice. And that's that idea of the putting off and the putting on there. Now, unfortunately, we can't go any farther with that just because of time's sake. But when we, when we take a look at this, um, especially in this, this verse here in, in, in Colossians, hopefully we see that that's what's going on. And we can see that those things, in fact, what you do is you go through verses 5, 6, and 7, and through there in verse 8, you see the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Right? Uh, that's, that's a message for another time. All right. Um, questions, comments, concerns? <clears throat>